The following audio is from Overland Park Community Church. More information about OPCC is available online at www.overlandpark.cc. Um, all right, so hey, welcome. I love you guys. I'm so excited to see your faces. We got a lot of ground to cover here in Samuel, man. Like a lot of ground to cover, but I first want to say a massive, massive thank you and a happy Veterans Day to our veterans. Like, I know we've got at least one in the crowd, man. And so, like, like, may we just say thank you. Like, and with that being said, my sister in Christ, Miss Caitlin Holbrook, she's got a little word for us. So, Caitlin, come on up. Good morning. My name is Caitlin Holbrook. Dear honored veterans, stand tall and proud for you have purchased my most valuable possession, my freedom. You have protected us even under the most difficult circumstances. You have been great leaders for our country. You have, been, you have made sacrifices in ways only known to you, but appreciated by us all. Your bravery is unmatched. Every time I hear the Star Spangled Banner, Recite the pledge. I am reminded of your service and your sacrifice you made to protect my freedom. My words seem so weak in comparison to the sacrifice you made on my behalf. My prayer is that on those days when you find yourself thinking of your great cause, you are reminded of me, Caitlin Rochelle Holbrook, a student from Sunset Ridge that does not take you for granted. Thank you. How awesome is that? Truth. So thank you. Um, great job, Caitlin. What's awesome, what I love about Caitlin Holbrook, man, is like when Paul told Timothy, do not let them despise your youth, man. Timothy was a young, young boy in the faith, man, but he was strong and strong and mighty in the Lord. That little girl right there is strong and mighty in the Lord, man. Like that girl right there could lead women in this church. So do not let them despise your youth, young lady. So here we are, 1 Samuel chapter 20. Let's get moving. Then David fled from Naoth, in Ramah, and he went and he said to Jonathan, what have I done? What is my iniquity and what is my sin before your father that he seeks my life? We talked about this, I gave you a little preview last week, that man, sometimes it feels like when things are challenging in our life, we wonder, is it our sin? Is it my sin in my life, Lord? Like, I'm going through a valley. I'm, I'm on a slippery slope. You know, I feel like I'm on a mudslide down into the bottoms. And Lord, like, like, why is that? It's uncomfortable. Is it my sin, Lord? I have found myself asking that question. And, and perhaps it may be. It may be. Sometimes our sin does lead us down a slippery slope. Sometimes our sin does find us in the bottoms. But not always. Um, we'll see later that it, it, it wasn't David's sin. He wasn't being punished. Well, you know, Job 
I'm reminded of Job. He wasn't being punished. Joseph, amidst all of the trials, he wasn't being punished. You know, um, man, Jesus, <laughs> it wasn't his sin. It was our sin that he was punished for. Amen. Verse 2, so Jonathan said to him, by no means, by no means, you shall not die. Indeed, my father will do nothing, either great or small, without first telling me. And why should my father hide this thing from me? It is not so. And then David took an oath again. And he said, your father certainly knows that I have found favor in your eye. Let Jonathan know this, lest he be grieved. But truly, as the Lord lives and as your soul lives, there is but a step between me and death. Like, have you ever felt like that? I have. Like, this is David saying to Jonathan, like, man, your, your, your father has been full of empty promises. And, and in fact, David is so crushed in this moment that Saul is just, ferociously chasing after his life. In this moment, David is actually questioning Jonathan's loyalty. Like I think he, in the back of his mind, I think the devil has sown a seed of doubt. Like is, is Jonathan actually for me? Like I'm not, I believe that. Like this is, would be David's heart. Like he believes that Jonathan is for him. But man, it, it makes him question because Jonathan tells him that my father will do nothing without telling me, but yet Jonathan didn't warn him that Saul was coming to Naoth and would throw a spear at his head. And so he's like, well, man, like, what, where was the heads up there, bro? Right? And Jonathan said, well, man, I, like, my, he's, my father is, he says elsewhere, my father is untrustworthy, right? And so Jonathan, what he's doing here is reaffirming with David, man, I am for you. Like, I am with you. And we talked last week how Jonathan throughout the story, is representative of Jesus in our life. Man, a lot of us, when we find ourselves in a trial, we ask the same question. Jesus, are you, like, are you for us? Jesus, are you coming through, man? You gonna help me? He, sa he says yes. He's saying the same thing. Jesus is reassuring us through this story and through Jonathan. Yes, indeed. But we find, our, we find ourselves here with David saying, there's but a step between me and death. David feels like about as hopeless as you could feel. David feels like death is inevitable. David believes in his heart he is going to die by the sword of Saul. We see that here. He's convinced. He's convinced that this thing is going to take him down. I remember when I was filled, I was filled with anxiety that I had never had in my life before. When I lived in Arkansas, Molly and I, we had had two kids at the time, and life was really good. We were super blessed. But man, I couldn't shake this anxiety that I felt in my life. I had a, I had a depression in my heart. My spirit was, was weak. Like I had anxiety about all sorts of things that I couldn't control. And I knew, I had been to the emergency room three times in about a six month period, walking in there just declaring with, with certainty, 
I am having a heart attack. I don't care what your little EK thing says. I am dying. I'm having a heart attack. And I need drugs. Like I need something to numb this. I'm, my heart feels like it's exploding and I've never had this in my life before. I was convinced. I was okay with dying. Like I believed the gospel. I believed that I was going to heaven. No doubt David believed, well, man, if Saul, if one of the spears that Saul's been throwing at my head indeed does hit the mark, like I will be with the Lord. David knew that. I knew that. But I still believed that it was going to kill me. I really did. And those of you that have not suffered with depression or anxiety or, or overwhelming fear, which is not of the Lord, but it does happen. If you've not experienced that, praise the Lord. And those that have are looking at me saying, amen, man. I've been walking in that. Or I've had that in my life, dude. And it's hard. It is dark. And it's no surprise, man, that people contemplate suicide. Because I couldn't imagine, I couldn't imagine, like, dealing with what I was going through in my life, the anxiety and the depression and the hopelessness without the Lord. Like I knew the Lord, but yet I was still somehow so hopeless. I can't explain it, but it was real. I know that David is feeling that here. And it just like softens my heart towards David. But if you ever felt like this, just a step away from death, David has felt the same way. Jonathan said to David, whatever you yourself desire, man, I'll do it for you. I love this about Jonathan. He just says, whatever, man, whatever I can do to help, I will do it, man. I will do it. And like, what an amazing friend. Like, what an amazing support system. Like, I spoke a little bit last week about sometimes when people are going through trials, like, sometimes they need to hear the truth of the gospel, for sure. Sometimes they um, need to be challenged, and maybe they are walking in some sin. Um, but Sometimes, man, they may just need a helping hand of sort. Anything, man. Watch their kids. Cook them a meal. Just do something. Like Jonathan said, whatever it is, man. I don't know what it is, but I want to help. I want to help. And, <clears throat> and David said to Jonathan, indeed, tomorrow is the new moon, and I should not fail to sit with the king to eat. But let me go that I may hide in the field until the third day at evening. This is David saying, Reminding Jonathan, man, that there's a feast. There was always a feast on the new moon. And he wanted to go and, it's just amazing about David's heart. He wanted to reconcile with the king. Saul has been trying to kill him. He's already thrown the spear at his head three times. He's already declared that he will kill him, whether it kills him. You know, Saul's saying, I will kill David even if it kills me. And, so, and David here is still saying like, and is there a chance we could be reconciled? Is there a chance that I could sit next to the king at the table of the feast of the new moon? Like, do you think, Jonathan, that, that he, he might just, like that this fear and this, 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 this demonic uh, influence over his life to kill me will pass? You think there's a chance? I'll, like, it's almost like he's saying, I'll forgive him if there is, man. I will forgive him. I will reconcile with him. Like, what an amazing heart and a testimony of the power of forgiveness. Forgiveness. Like, has someone in your life robbed you of your freedom or wronged you in a way that you felt like was unjustified? Man, I ask you to just 
measure your heart up to a, your brother David, our brother David, and, and, and say, Lord, just give me that heart of forgiveness, man. Like David was willing to forgive this guy, even though he was declared boldly to kill him. Verse six, he says, if your father misses me at all, this is David making a proposition for John, with Jonathan. Um, if your father misses me at all, then tell him, David earnestly asked for permission of me that I might return to Bethlehem, his city, for there's a yearly sacrifice there for the family. And if he says, it is well, your servant will be safe. But if he's very angry, be sure that evil is determined by him. Therefore, you shall deal kindly with your servant, for you have brought your servant into a covenant of the Lord with you. Nevertheless, if there's iniquity in me, if there's sin in my life, David says, kill me yourself. For why should you bring me to your father? He says, David tells Jonathan, dude, if it's me, go ahead and kill me, man. Why does it need to be Saul, man? If the Lord is punishing me, go ahead and kill me, bro. I will die to the sword right now. Like, he is, he is crushed. He's wanting some answers. But Jonathan said, far be it from you, man. He's reassuring him again. No, David. He said, for if I knew certainly that evil was determined by my father to come upon you, then would I not tell you? Like, I'll tell you, man. He's reassuring him. Then David said to Jonathan, well, who will tell me? Or what if your father answers roughly? And Jonathan said, come, let us go into the field. So he's got a plan. So both of them went out into the field. Jonathan said to David, the Lord God of Israel is our witness. When I have sounded out my father some time tomorrow or the third day, and indeed there is good toward David, I do not send you and tell you. May the Lord do so much more to Jonathan. But if it pleases my father to do you evil, then I will report it to you and I will send you away that you may go in safety. And the Lord be with you as he has been with my father. This is really interesting. So Jonathan is proposing a plan with David, which we'll get into here in a second. But this little nugget that says, and the Lord be with you as he's been with my father is fascinating to me. The Lord had, has been with Saul. Remember when Saul first started? Man, Saul was like anointed with the Lord. The spirit of the Lord was on Saul's life. When we first got introduced to Saul back in the summer, we were like, man, what a stud, you know? He was a tall, handsome man. He was fit to be a king. The Lord had anointed him. He actually had a heart to do what God had asked of him. And even in all of his rebellion, and as we've been in this series in the fall of Saul, and we've seen what a mess sin can make in a man's life, the Lord had been with him, meaning the Lord was there. That, like Saul had multiple chances at repentance. Like God did not say, all right, Saul, you screwed up once or twice, man. I'm cutting you off. He, man, the Lord was there available for Saul. If Saul were to repent, it just never happened. Saul did not repent. And in verse 14, it says, and you shall not only show me the kindness of the Lord while I still live, that I may not die. But you shall not cut off your kindness from my house forever. No, not when the Lord has cut off every one of the enemies of David from the face of the earth. 
This is amazing. Jonathan says, man, like when the Lord gets you through this and, the, and, you, and you see through the other side, may, may you protect me, man, because the Lord is gonna give you a victory over every one of your enemies. He's, he's like, what a prophetic word that he's giving David. He says, man, the Lord is gonna give you victory over every one of your enemies and may I not be numbered among them. It was customary in the ancient days for when a new king usurped the throne, it was customary that they cut down any of the former family lineage of the previous king so there was not any problems with the throne, right? They're like, Jonathan is the son of Saul. He's the prince of, of Israel. Like, it would make sense that Jonathan could eventually create some problems in the kingdom. Even though they're best of friends right now, Saul was a good dude a couple years ago. Now he's as wicked as Satan, right? The same thing could happen with Jonathan. It could happen with us. Like, we can be good people. We can be faithful Christians. We can walk with the Lord for years and then... We can fall off. It's possible. May it not be so. That's why I walk with Jesus every day is so important. That's why a relationship with God is so important. That's why coming to church, enjoying fellowship, spending time in prayer, fasting when the Lord leads, all of the things that Jesus commanded us to do are important. It's nurturing a lifelong relationship with Jesus. Not a one time I'm saved forever. Okay, great. Let me just plow through life with my head down. So that's a freebie, by the way. Um, that was the Lord. Um, but what we have here is, is, is Jonathan, he's making David promise him protection, right? He's making him give him a covenant. I love that. So Jonathan, verse 16, made a covenant with the house of David saying, let the Lord require it at the hand of David's enemies. Now, Jonathan again caused David to vow because he loved him for he loved him as he loved his own soul, deep love. Then Jonathan said to David, tomorrow is the new moon and you will be missed because your seat will be empty. Like it will, it will be sad that you're not at the feast. It'll be sad that the sin of my father has created this division. Like it'll be sad that we're even having to deal with these problems because of sin. There's challenges in life and in ministry. It's sad when sin creates problems. Like there's things in my life that I have to walk through and give attention to and care for and minister to and love on. And it's sad because it's just sin that's made a mess. And it's like causing problems in my life, not in a stumbling like sinful way, but it's like I'm devoting time, effort, and energy to a thing that's broken when it shouldn't be, right? Like it's sad that Jonathan is having to, 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 to do this He's even having to put this plan together. He's having to mediate between his father and David and, and, and it's sin. It is the work of Satan that, that is why this is happening. He's saying it's, it's sad. And when you stayed three days, he says in verse 19, go down quickly and come to the place where you hid on the day of the deed and remain by the stone of Ezel. I don't have time to get into that. But then I will shoot three arrows to the side as though I was shooting at a target. Interesting, he's starting to put a plan together, right? He's saying, David, go out there in that field where my archery target is, and I got a plan. 
because I need to communicate to you what Saul's intentions are. I'm gonna go to this feast and I'm gonna see if Saul still wants to kill you or if he's willing to reconcile. And I can't like go out there uh, and just talk to you like openly or else Saul might kill me. And we'll see here in a second. Saul tries to kill his own son. He's ludicrous, okay? But it's interesting. He says, go out there by the target, man. I'm gonna sling three arrows from my quiver. And that's how I'm gonna communicate. So he says, verse 21, and there I will send a lad, a servant, saying, go find the arrows. And if I say to the lad, look, the arrows are on this side of you. Get them and come. And then as the Lord lives, there's safety for you and no harm. He's saying, man, I'm gonna shoot three arrows off to the side of the target. They're gonna be close, off to the side. And I'm gonna send the lad, the young boy, my, my little arrow retriever. I need one of those. A little arrow retriever, man. He's gonna go over there and he's gonna get him. And if you, if you see him pulling the arrows, you know, right next to the target, and I say, yeah, yeah, good job, young man, you know, then you know you're safe. And then the, the Lord, you can be welcomed back into the palace. But if I say to the young man, look, the arrows are way beyond you. Go your way, for the Lord has sent you. He says, and as for the matter which you and I have spoken of, indeed the Lord be between you and me forever. He's saying, regardless, man, if, if I launch some arrows way over the target, I mean way out in the field, and I tell the lad, he, the lad's gonna be looking around like, where are these arrows, man? You missed, you were way off the target, man. He says, they're way out there. He said, if you see the lad wandering out in the field, these arrows that I just launched way over the target, you better go. It is not safe for you, bro. And he says, may the Lord be between you and me forever, man. He's saying, I might not see you ever again. And he's blessing him. Then David went and hid in the field. And when the new moon had come, the king sat down at the feast. And the king sat on his throne as, a, as at other times on a seat by the wall. Jonathan arose and Abner sat by Saul's side, but David's place was empty. Nevertheless, Saul didn't say anything that day for he thought, oh, something's happened to him. Surely he's unclean, that's what Saul said. Surely it's David's sin, and he didn't feel worthy to come to the feast, so, ah, that must be why he's not here eating. He must be out there in sin, you know? Like, what an idiot was Saul. Like, what is he thinking? Like, he's sitting there going, oh, he's justifying. Like, oh, yeah, it's gotta be the sin in David's life. That's why he's not at the feast, man. Like, okay, the Lord's really dealing with him. How many times has the Lord like, has this ever happened where like the Lord was using someone else to speak truth into your life? And you must have, you must have thought, oh, the Lord will work on them. The Lord will deal with them. Like, that's not of the Lord. Like, the Lord will work on them. Don't worry, man. Like, Shay, it's not you, bro. Like, they spoke truth into your life, but they're, they're the one in sin. That's what Saul's doing right here. He's like, ah, David's sin. Look at him. He's messing up. Nevertheless, oh, sorry, 27. And it happened the next day. The second day of the month, David's place was empty. And Saul said to Jonathan, why is the son of Jesse not come to eat yesterday or today? So it's Saul's, it's burning in his heart a little bit. He's thinking about it. And he says, man, I need some glasses. Uh, Oh, golly, man, my vision is getting worse. Um, he said, uh, Jonathan answered Saul and said, David earnestly asked permission of me to go to Bethlehem. 
And he said, please let me go. Like, my family has a sacrifice in the city. My brother has commanded me to be there. And now if I found favor in your eyes, please let me get away to see my brothers. And he has not come to the king's table for this reason. Then Saul's anger was aroused against Jonathan. And he said to him, you son of a perverse and rebellious woman, do I not know that you have chosen the son of Jesse to your own shame and to the shame of your mother's nakedness? For as long as the son of Jesse lives on the earth, you shall not be established, nor your kingdom. Now therefore, send and bring him to me, for he shall surely die. And Jonathan answered Saul, his father, and he said to him, why? Why should he be killed? What has he done? Like he's defending him. Like you can see this argument happening. He's like, what? It, why? Why, dad? Why, Saul? Why, king? Why? And, he, and then Saul cast a spear to kill him. He tried to kill Jonathan. Like he was so maddened. And remember, Saul is a picture of Satan in our lives. Like if you want to know if the enemy is real, man, look at Saul. Look at his behavior. Look how he's acting. When we storm the gates of hell and make disciples, when we follow Jesus with our life, when we share the gospel, when we offer up a witness of the testimony of the work of Jesus in our life, Satan acts like Saul. It, like, he wants to throw the spear at your life. He's coming at your neck. And you need to know that. It's an important piece to the puzzle. And he says, so Jonathan arose from the table in fierce anger and ate no food the second day of the month, for he was grieved for David because his father had treated him shamefully. And it was so in the morning that Jonathan went out into the field, and at the appointed time that he had already lined up with David, uh, a little lad was with him. Then he said to the lad, run and find the arrows, which I shoot. As the lad ran, he shot an arrow behind him, had come to the place where the arrow which Jonathan had shot and Jonathan cried out and he said the arrow is beyond you it's further right this was the key the cue right this was the cue for David get out of town bro it's not good when the when the lad had come oh I'm sorry uh, Jonathan cried out after the lad make haste hurry don't delay so Jonathan's lad gathered up the arrows came back to his master and the lad did not know anything only Jonathan and David knew of the matter. Then Jonathan gave his weapons to the lad, and he said to him, go, carry them into the city. So he like, the lad brought the arrows back, gave him his bow, gave him his quiver. He said, go ahead, go, go back to the city. You're working here, young man. Thank you. And he, as soon as the lad had gone, David arose from a place. So he came out of hiding, right? He came out of hiding, and he fell on his face to the ground, and he bowed down three times. They kissed one another. And they wept together, but David more so. That's important. Then Jonathan said to David, go in peace. Since we've both sworn in the name of the Lord, may the Lord be between you and me and between your descendants and my descendants forever. So he arose and departed. And Jonathan went into the city. Man, dude, he's lost his best friend. Saul is indeed out for his life. Jonathan even put himself in a massive compromise defending his friend David, right? I asked myself the question, and I'm sure David did as well. Was David in God's will? Like, like I'm sure he was asking that. Is this of you, Lord? Is this of you? I'm in the middle of a field, 
hiding behind an archery target, like waiting for the answer of whether I can be welcomed home or not. Remember, David lived in the house of the king. That's where he lived. That was his home. Those were his friends. That was his family. And now here he is, a refugee, a refugee on his own, getting ready to face a really tough season in life. And God often has some of his favorites spend long times on a bleak road. Does. I gave examples earlier, man, of Job. Lost everything. Joseph shipped off as a slave to Egypt. You know, Jesus. God sent his only son down a bleak road for 30 plus years. Man, Peter hung on a cross upside down, believed Isaiah to be sawed in half with a wooden saw. Jeremiah, no one would listen to him. I know for a fact Jeremiah dealt with depression and anxiety. He was all alone. He was the only prophet. He told them that Babylon was coming to take them over. They didn't care. Even when it happened, man, they spent 80 years in captivity to the Babylonians. But I, as I'm landing the plane here, like I want to I, I leave us with a quote. And we'll put the quote on the board. And this is from a, an old school evangelist famous pastor, led a church in London for years, named Alan Redpath. I came across this quote this week, and it was so fitting for our service. So here it is. Let God empty you out that he might save you from becoming spiritually stale and lead you ever onward. He is always calling us to pass beyond the things we know into the unknown. A throne is God's purpose for you. We see that in his word. A cross is God's path for you. We see that in his word. And faith is God's plan for you. We see that in his word. So as I finish up here, and I'll ask the boys to come on up and lead us into some music before we receive our offering. But man, I, I, I just, that struck me. And I wanted that quote to just be there for us to contemplate. Like, sometimes, man, God will empty us out. Sometimes God will put us down a, a bleak road that doesn't make sense. Like he will move us from the things that do make sense into the things that don't make sense so that we trust in him. And I believe that God put David on this road because he knew that David had a high responsibility coming up in the kingdom. David had a high responsibility as the king of Israel to lead the people of God. And in order to do that, God needed to grab David's heart and strip him from everything that he knew so that David learned to focus and trust solely upon Jesus. Not trusting in Saul, not even trusting in Jonathan. What a blessing Jonathan was in his life, but Jesus wanted him to trust in him 
So he took even his best friend away. But he did it with purpose. And he did it with the kingdom in mind. And the Lord does that sometimes. And who are we? Who are we to say what the Lord says is good or is fitting or not? Who are we to judge the things of God? We are not. We are not. We are like the, the clay pot that the potter molds and shapes exactly how he wants. The scripture says, does the pot look at the potter and go, why have you made me this way? No. Because the potter can just go and mold it again. And the Lord does that. And, it is, and he is God. We talk about in discipleship group about the Shema, right? Deuteronomy 6.4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. And like, it is the lordship of Jesus in our life. When we surrender to him, we trust in him with all that we are. Literally, our innermost, deepest being. Like David, when you have no money, when you have no family, when you have no job, you have no hope, you're literally a fugitive refugee on the run. Where are you at with Jesus? When you have nothing left, you have Jesus. Jesus plus nothing is everything. Amen. And I found myself in those seasons of anxiety in Arkansas when I was sprinting down a highway in Conway, Arkansas, in my dress slacks, in fear. I was scared, man. Like, the devil was telling me to run my stupid Chevy Volt into the bridge. It would have just been so much easier. And I knew it was the devil, and I pulled over, and I got out of my dress slacks, and I started sprinting down the highway, because I didn't know what else to do. I felt like I had nothing. I had a family, I had a wife, I had kids. It was beautiful. I was thankful. I had a good job. I was making good money. But man, my heart was just stirred up for things of the Lord, things of the kingdom, spiritual matters, deep things of God, like Paul speaks of. My soul was just not, it was, it was being attacked, but also molded and shaped perfectly by the Lord. So I don't know where you find yourself today. I don't know how the Lord might speak to you, but I know he is. So as Corey plays this song, let's just trust in him. <laughs> like, let's have a spirit as David did. Maybe the Lord is speaking to you through this story. And I'll trust and believe in that. Thank you for listening to audio from Overland Park Community Church in Overland Park, Kansas. For more information, visit us online at www.overlandpark.cc.